reading from the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to Luke, beginning with the first verse. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to speak to you in the topic of opportune times. You ever heard the word opportunity? I know you have. People will sometimes tell you that something in front of you is a great opportunity for you. And what they mean by that is that there's some advantage to be gained by paying attention to what's happening in front of you, right? One of the coolest lessons I learned when I was an architect, Dick Lamar taught me, I realized there was a problem in one of my drawings. Back then, we were penciling and erasing. (laughs) I said, Dick, I found a problem. He said, oh, no, David, we have an opportunity. I learned something from that. Everything that comes to us is an opportunity. Everything. Every challenge, every thought, every potential work, every potential problem is an opportunity. For everything, in some ways, every moment of our day demands a choice from us. For instance, in the evening, I can choose to sit in the chair and watch Everybody Loves Raymond, or I can choose to be productive. Laughing is way more fun than being productive. But that's a choice I face every evening. You likely face some of those same choices. And Luke would tell us here that the devil left Jesus and came for an opportune time, I think because he wants us to be prepared when we see what those opportune times are, as he writes his story. In my personal experience, the opportune times for temptation 
or when things are going good, or when I'm bored. Does that sound familiar to you? I mean, I don't get up and get a bag of potato chips out of the cupboard because I'm busy, you know? That happens out of boredom. Temptations often come to us when we're not engaged with something that we should be engaged with. They come to us in experiences of lack. They come to us in whispers. I'm going to tell you my, one of my favorite preacher jokes, not about a preacher, but one of my favorite jokes a preacher ever told. And it has a purpose, not just trying to be entertaining here. But Reverend Jerry Phillips, who was my pastor when I was a youth, told this joke in in church one day, and I have not forgotten it. It has stuck with me for 30-something years. No, wait, yeah, 35 years. And that's a long time to remember a joke, right? But he told a story about going to see one of his parishioners. And they were talking about temptation. And the man said to Jerry, he said, Jerry, you know, I never feel tempted by the devil. And Jerry said, I thought about that for a minute, and I looked at him, and I said, well, maybe he's already got you. (laughs) I learned something from that story, dear ones. What I learned is that the more mature I grow in my faith, the more I've come dependent upon Jesus, the more I depended upon Jesus for life itself, the more I understand that every breath I'm given is the result of Jesus and being made through Jesus, being renewed through Jesus, having new birth through Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, that all of that, all of that, the more it grows, the more I mature in it, the more it means something to me, the more likely I will be tempted. We're tempted in opportune times. Not always when things are bad. We're tempted when we have a chance to gain from the choice. That's the way it was for Adam and Eve, which Luke seems to be wanting us to to see this temptation of Jesus in the context of Genesis. He's just recorded the story of Jesus' genealogy, and he ended it with son of Adam, son of God. Or technically in the Greek it says, of Adam, of God. There must be a purpose to that. It can't just be that he's going backward like a good genealogy does. Because the very next thing is then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And if we think about what happened to poor Adam... Someone came to him at an opportune time when things were good. When things were as perfect as they've ever been in this creation. Someone came to Adam and his betrothed, to the one that he called out of myself. Someone came to him and the woman Eve and said, essentially, there's something you don't have. What in the world could it have been? God looked and said, it's very good. What in the world could it have been that they were being tempted with? And if you read in the story, what the tempter says is, you'll just be like God. You'll just be like God. 
Oh, but if you'll just do this thing that I'm offering to you, if you will just take and eat, make bread, Jesus. If you're the Son of God, why are you fasting? Why are you doing without? Make bread and eat. The same temptation that the serpent offered to Adam and Eve. Take and eat. Oh, but don't worry about the consequences. You won't really die. You'll just be as God is. Knowing the difference between good and evil. Likewise, that's the power they were tempted with. There was a power that God had that they did not have. They did not know all things, but what they had was the ability to walk with God every day. To learn from God, from God's goodness, and to sit at the feet of God's wonder. But instead of counting what they had, they counted what they didn't have as important. An opportune time. Likewise, Jesus is in the desert. According to Philippians, He's given up all that He had. His equality with God, He decided, was something He wouldn't hold on to, but took on our flesh, the form of a slave, and came to be with us. And just like Adam and Eve were offered a power, Jesus was offered power. A lot of parallels to me. Show up there. And so then finally, there's the temptation that I might call doubt. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself off the temple for if He loves you, He will send His angels to catch you. That's buried up in the servant's, serpent's whisper that if you eat of the fruit, you won't really die. Why is Jesus led into the desert to be tempted? In the same ways that Adam and Eve were tempted, and probably very likely in the same ways that you were tempted. And I know for certain the same ways that I'm tempted. Why? There was a little girl who sat down with her dad one day. And she said, Daddy, I have a question for you. And he said, what's that? She said, what kind of man do you want me to marry? And he thought about it for a minute. He said, he said, baby, you can marry anybody you want to as long as he has a nice full beard. And she said, wow. Why a beard, Dad? And the dad looked at his daughter and said, if he has enough patience to grow a beard, he can deal with you. Somehow, I think patience with the promises of God, with the purposes of God, with the hope of God, discipleship in God, somehow patience is what we're supposed to see here. Because Jesus could have shortcut His fasting, right? That's what the devil said. If you're the Son of God, coincidentally, the way that's written in the Greek, 
Probably we should read that since you're the Son of God. Turn the stone to bread, Jesus. You don't have to be hungry. But Jesus did have to be hungry because it was the plan of God for Him to be hungry for 40 days. To know what it's like to be hungry for something. Because the children of God are hungry for new life. Everyone that God has ever created is hungry for something and the thing that we're most hungry for is purpose and meaning and to be filled with something that makes us feel alive. And every last one of us would seek power when we could in some way and it may be that God intends you to have power and authority over other people. But you must go through the process so that in the end you will be the person that God wants to have power, not the person who takes shortcuts and cheats to get it. We know what that looks like. We have politicians. Remember Enron? Enron was the result of people being tempted to shortcut the system. To get to power and wealth. Not in the ways that God might allow us to get there, but to get there in their own power so that they could be congratulated for how strong they were. They were too big to fail. We would do the same thing. If left to our own devices without the grace of God, we would chase after power like a two-year-old chases after a sucker. Because we want to be powerful in things. Most of the times what I've seen happen in situations where a church gets blown up by some kind of disagreement is because either two people or two groups of people are struggling for power. The church is the last place where there should be power disputes. All the power here belongs to Jesus Christ. Certainly not to me. But that's where we're tempted too. In the same way Adam was tempted, Jesus comes to be tempted because it's the same way that we're tempted and we need for Him to be tempted in every way just as we are because His purpose is to come and identify with us and save us from sin and death. We need for Jesus to develop the patience of having overcome temptation. He does it for us. He does it out of obedience to the Father. And the question that's present overhanging the whole situation is when faced with the same things that we are faced, will Jesus take a different track than we do and choose to be obedient even though it threatens His very life? And dear ones, He chose that. He chose to be obedient for you so that He could offer Himself as a sacrifice for your sin he chose to face the devil in the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus chose you over comfort, over power, and over recognition. He chose you. Somehow in the midst of that, we should find some assurance of our worth to God. I want to read to you 
some words from the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 13. Listen closely. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Dear ones, right now we approach the throne of grace together. As we remember this meal that Jesus gave us, as we partake in it, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are confronted with our failings, and invited to come to His table to eat with Him as friends, as brothers and sisters, as people for whom He endured temptation and chose the way of patience and obedience so that He could save us.